When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why people like burst into song and dance in musicals and why musicals existed in the first place is that the idea is that the characters you're writing about in hopefully an engaging story the emotions get so much that the only way it can be captured adequately is through song or dance. And have you not done that thing where you've got off a train or a tube or a bus and you just want to bust a move, like, in public? <laughs> but you, you stop yourselves. Why do we stop ourselves? I don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are recording with Natalie. Hi. Genevieve. Hello. And Kobe. Hello. And we're here to talk about In the Heights. Thank you as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for editing this podcast and this episode. Please do remember to head over to Spotify and or Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and a glowing amazing review so other people can find us and also join in the conversation with us on twitter at flixwatcherpod or on instagram at flixwatcher hello film fans welcome to flixwatcher podcast our guests today are natalie and genevieve over to you please genevieve to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please Hello, I am Genevieve and I'm an entertainment journalist and the host of Celebrity Catch-Up Life After That Thing I Did. It's an unashamedly nostalgic podcast where I chat to the stars of much-loved film, TV and music of the 80s, 90s and noughties and we reminisce and then talk about how their lives unfolded after that thing they did. When you're booking these the guests and, and speaking to them in advance, did they ever think like, ah, oh, you're just you're using me, not using me, but the, I know why you're ringing, I know why this call yeah, is. I know about that they, thing. Yeah. <laughs> They feel there's a sense of like dredging up the past, or they tend to be quite happy to discuss these things. No, yeah, they they are. Yeah, I think I've got a, like a a bit of a, a PR problem with the podcast because I think there's this misconception that it is a podcast for has-beens because they look at life after that thing I did, and so they see it all as, as people who were famous and aren't famous anymore. And to an extent, that is true because some people that I have had on the podcast are people who have had their time in the spotlight and they are not in it anymore because they may have totally left the business or maybe they're just kind of like, you know, still releasing music, but record companies don't want to give record deals to people who had hits in the 80s anymore. So they're just touring and doing their own thing. But then I also have people who 
are very much not has-beens like Nick Frost or Dexter Fletcher, who are not has-beens at all. The main point is that nostalgia is the hook. We reminisce about this thing that they were in that everybody loves and their life changed forever after they did that thing. So, you know, for Nick Frost, after Shaun of the Dead and Spaced, his career went mental. For Dexter Fletcher, after he did Press Gang, his had a bit of a roller coaster life. He kind of like not fucked him alone. When well, not enough to talk about with him. Just in uh, Bugsy Malone, <laughs> you know, he went off the rails a bit, and then how he's come back to be this amazing director. You know, other people like Alan Ruck. You know, he was massive in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and his career's been a massive roller coaster. It's been up and down, doing things. He disappeared, and now he's had this resurgence in succession. It's brilliant and. I think I just tried to illustrate really that these people are more than this one thing that you know them from. Their life changed forever after it and we just explore how that happened. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Do listen to it, guys. And the winner of the first best ever podcast ever made from the Independent Podcast Awards. <laughs> just this year. Just <laughs> the best podcast made this year. <laughs> Natalie, who are you? I am Natalie Jameson and I have been an entertainment journalist for a really long time now. So used to work for Radio 1. I still work as on a freelance basis for Radio 2, 5 Live, the World Service for the BBC. And I co-host the Best Sellers podcast, which is a popular books podcast where we just want to encourage more people to enjoy reading and just share a love of books. So there's a huge range of authors that we speak to on there. I do it with my friend Phil Williams and we've had everyone from Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles who wrote a book this year. She was an amazing guest. Dennis Lehane who's been doing loads of stuff with Apple now but obviously did like Gone Baby Gone and didn't do some for The Wire as well. Yeah he did. Have you had Dennis on yours yet Kobe? No. No. He was was great. (laughs) (laughs) Rub it in. It was really good. Just have a listen on bestsellers. Yeah, it's fine. We've had David Simon, though. Ah, amazing. Great. Yeah, but but also, like, I really love discovering new authors. So some of my favourites this year have been, like, Cecilia Rabess, who wrote an incredible book called Everything's Fine. Yeah, Kirsten Chen, who wrote a book called Counterfeit, which is an amazing book as well. We kind of do book recommendations. So, yeah, anytime around kind of, like, holidays or summer or whatever, me and Phil will jump on and do, here's what we've loved reading, you might like reading it too. So yeah, I do that as well, alongside other day job. Can I ask you about about the challenge I have with book podcasts? Yes. Not from the listener, it's more from like, if I was a host, I'd be, I'd feel the weight of like, it takes a long time to read a book generally. How does that work for you (laughs) compared to watching a film, which could be at at the longest, it's a four hour experience true yeah what what's that like yeah so I read a lot because so I read books more quickly than Phil does so we try and kind of plan it but we both have to have read the book to for it to feature on the podcast and it kind of what I really like about what we do is it doesn't really matter if you haven't read like other books around that that other people might mention because I always feel that's a bit of like one-upmanship you know if like oh did you not read that it's like well no I didn't because I was watching loads of films and as you rightly say it takes a really long time sometimes to read a book yeah but yeah we kind of just want to I really love reading I read a lot at night before I go to sleep like an hour plus probably before I go to sleep yes I usually read probably about a book a week which is quite a lot yeah. We're talking about the film you chose today, Natalie, which is In the Heights. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then? 
<laughs> a synopsis in less than 60 seconds. Yeah, I'm going to try and do that. I haven't prepared anything for that, which I'm now thinking is a mistake. But I just go with your heart. Yeah, I will do. You, you've got to, right? You've got to show the passion, <laughs> which is why I chose In the Heights, because I am an unashamed fan of musicals. And I'm almost reluctant. It is a musical, but I almost didn't want to kind of go so early on saying that it's a musical, but that is why I chose it. Because I feel like it's one of the most maligned genres of film where people will just not watch something because they know that they're singing and dancing in it and you wouldn't really do that with like oh yeah I don't do drama like I don't do action it just doesn't happen as much you know so that's why I chose In the Heights what to like ride up in people's faces no just <laughs> to hopefully... a song yeah. <laughs> well like as far as I am aware like the definition of why people like burst into song and dance in musicals and why musicals existed in the first place is that the idea is that the characters you're writing about in hopefully an engaging story, the emotions get so much that the only way it can be captured adequately is through song or dance. It's kind of got to come out somewhere. You've kind of reached such a heightened point of whatever the emotion is that you've got to sing and dance about it. And I, I just love that. And I wish we could do more of that in our everyday lives if I'm honest <laughs> so yeah I mean I'd love it if you were just in your local uh, corner shop and you started bursting into song you'd be on like TikTok very quickly <laughs> you would right but haven't you done that like I don't know you know if people are commuters or how you're listening to this but inevitably obviously you'll be listening to one of our podcasts uh on your journey into work but if not you're listening to music and if you're trying to get yourself amped up to go into work you're probably listening to something upbeat and have you not done that thing where you've got off a train or a tube or a bus or you know stopped your car and you just want to bust a move like in public <laughs> but you, you stop yourselves why do we stop ourselves why is that seen as a social faux pas <laughs> I don't like it I don't stop <laughs> <laughs> so what's the synopsis for In the Heights so, In the Heights in the title refers to Washington Heights, which is an area of upper state New York. If you think of West Side Story, that was lower down in the New York map than In the Heights. Washington Heights is further north, but sort of similar communities are represented. And this is very much a joy about the Latinx community that settled there. And it's about the class system within that. It's about family. It's about gentrification of an area. Specifically, it's about a main character called Usnavi, who's our narrator of this story. And he has various people in his life that we get to meet. They are two love stories in it, Usnavi and Vanessa, and also Benny and Nina. And there's lots of singing and dancing. <laughs> I mean, you could have just shortened it to there's lots of singing and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. You're almost saying like no. the story's irrelevant. Kobe, we barely started. <laughs> Helen, what have you have you seen in the height? I mean, we've seen the Lin Manuel Miranda piece on this podcast in the past. Have you seen any other LMM fodder? I have not. What have you been doing? It filled you with joy, though, right? I'm I'm sensing that. I can sense it already. <laughs> oh, I already know that I I'm going to be probably the lukewarm in in the corner for this one. I'm afraid. So. I apologise. I mean, I like musicals. In fact, I would probably say that I love musicals, but I don't know whether it was watching this at home, but it just felt a bit flat to me. I didn't I didn't really 
I didn't really get on with the song. Like, you've literally stabbed Nat. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like if I get it all out now, then you can talk about how much everyone else really enjoyed it. I didn't really get on with the songs and I wasn't quite sure what the story was saying. I was kind of enjoying it at the start and I was like, you know, gentrification, it kills communities. And then that kind of like disappeared and I was a bit like, well, where's that kind of felt like the villain and then it disappeared a bit. And I don't know, it just didn't really grab me. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, I do want to watch this. And then I looked at the runtime and it it made me die a little bit. (laughs) So yeah, I, I do generally love musicals. I think I went in expecting a bit of a kind of updated, slightly edgier, maybe West Side Story kind of vibe. And that wasn't what it was. So maybe my expectations were a bit all over the place. But yeah, I felt that there's some bits in it that I would have kind of delved into a little bit more. The the character, is it Nina who goes to uni? Yes. Goes to Stanford, yeah. Yeah. And the kind of the reason why she leaves we kind of that isn't on on screen but it's just kind of like a real big moment and I just kind of felt that that could have been a bigger part in it so I don't know I liked the pool number I thought that that was kind of like a nice kind of flourish but the the rest of it I was a little bit lukewarm on I'm sorry there we go I can say it now Genevieve I'm afraid I'm going to be with Helen on this. <laughs> so, That's the second, second last to back there. <laughs> so I'll start by saying that I'm not the biggest musical fan. I have a hard time suspending my disbelief enough that people would all just burst into song and dance. And we all know the same words and we all know the dance moves. There are some musicals, musical films that I really love, like... Greece, I could watch that loads of times, and Greece too, which I know people don't like. But I oh, really Greece like is it. amazing. <laughs> Reproduction, <laughs> what a song! <laughs> We're doing it for our country. Like, well, that's that's actually a bit rapey. There's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> and um, however, when The Greatest Showman came out, I kind of thought, mm, do I want to go and see this? But I had like a Cineworld Unlimited card, and I thought, well, I've got unlimited cinema why didn't I go and see it so I went and saw it by myself there were two of us in the screening that watched it and I actually really enjoyed it I didn't think I was gonna like it I came out loving it I think the fact that This Is Me did not win the Oscar for best song is the biggest travesty in Oscars history that's my wife's phone alarm uh, I'm I'm tired of it now I got got to go on set uh, when they were filming The Greatest Showman and I got Benj Pasek and Justin Paul who wrote the songs for that they did a a little version on the pianos and sang This Is Me to me before the film (gasps) came out it was amazing oh good but yeah so I really enjoyed the songs and I really felt a connection with the characters and I shed a little tear when Zac Efron is like gonna die but doesn't die anyway all this is to say that I feel like spoilers for a film there yeah (laughs) (laughs) another film that's not this one So I hadn't seen this film before this weekend in preparation for this recording, but it was one that I thought, okay, maybe I could see it. You know, I kind of thought from the trailers, it was something that I could get into. But unfortunately watching it, I just didn't get into it. I didn't feel like, like the songs with The Greatest Showman, they were catchy to me. I came out of the cinema humming the songs. There were a few songs I still had in my head. I thought these were catchy. Within the Heights, there was there's not a song that I could I couldn't sing it back to you. I couldn't hum it back to you. There was there was what no about song. Pintagua. 
I don't even know when that came in. Piragua. I did think that was catchy. 125 Piragua. But, but, <laughs> but the songs just didn't grab me and I didn't really feel any kind of big connection to the characters. I didn't feel like anyone... I don't feel like there was any jeopardy anywhere for me to feel a connection with them. And also, yes, when I saw the running time, two hours, 40 minutes, it's like almost an hour longer than the Bross documentary that we've also reviewed. <laughs> so I was thinking like, wow, two hours, 40. And you might want to close your ears, Nat. But I did nod off and fall asleep while watching this what? film for 20 minutes. It's okay to fall asleep, but did you go back and watch, rewatch the beginning? Yes, for, for 20 minutes. And then when I woke up, I rewound and then watched it okay. back. That's fine. So yeah, it just, I'm afraid it just didn't grab me in a way that I was hoping. <laughs> I felt a bit disappointed and I felt it was a bit too long. Sorry, Nat. Just on that point, I think it is a really interesting thing generally with musicals because we often don't have the same conversations about musicals that we might do about albums. So I'm just going to say liken it maybe to, you know, say like, let's say Radiohead would bring out an album that's quite complex and quite difficult to get on the first listen. And then you listen to it again and again and everyone's like, it's amazing. It's the best thing in the world. I do think with Lin-Manuel Miranda's music, there's so much in there that I can appreciate that sometimes on the first watch, it's quite a lot to get your ears around. But actually, it's you just need to kind of go back to it again. And then it kind of gets you into your soul and you'll be singing the various bits in that opening song, which, uh, yeah, me and my kids especially, like, love, adore, and you ain't got no skills, Benny! Like, it's just a refrain that happens all the time in our house. But I think the thing that I struggle with is that I'm, I'm fine if a musical has, like, a song and then there's, like, a lot of talky-talky drama, we'll talk and talk, and now we'll punctuate it with a song. The thing that I can't get on with is we're just in a shop and someone comes in and would you like a coffee? Yes, please. Okay, here you go. Here's your coffee. Thank you very much. Yeah, that doesn't work for me, I'm afraid. But wouldn't not. life be better if it did? <laughs> like, going back to what we were saying, I'd love it. Yes, I want a coffee. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of different types of musical and it sounds like you prefer one type, Genevieve, in particular. So first of all, the running time here is because it's from a stage show. And it's translated from a stage show where those stage show musicals are longer just by default. Whereas Grease was a film first, right? And it, and it has a shorter... Was it not, not, not it was a first? musical. But why is it short? Well, it's got a shorter run. Okay, so I'm thinking like The Greatest Showman was a... That was a film, yeah. A film first. So the film first musicals tend to be shorter and punchier and have go for the big hook kind of song. But also I think there's a piece with Lin-Manuel Miranda stuff, as, as Natalie says, his wordplay is like super complex in a lot of places where like you just don't get what's going on in the phraseology because it it's, it's a rap album, half of it, really. Yeah. And it, you have to kind of think, oh, do I like the vibe of what's going on? Do I think, do I, is it making me move in a way to make me want to go back and try and listen to the words a bit more to come back a bit again? Whereas with a lot of other musicals, you get the hook when the first time they hear they play the song and you cannot... You, by the second time the chorus is there, you can start singing along with it kind of thing. And that's not this. I don't, I'm not even sure there are any choruses here, apart from the Piragua piece. But obviously, if you don't like that, you don't like that. That's, that's absolutely fine. I do like a musical, generally. I'm a big sucker for a musical. I'm a big sucker for Lin-Manuel Miranda. And the first place I heard of his songs was in Moana. And there he's got some big hooky songs right from the start. So he can do those kind of things. But when he's trying to tell a story like this and in Hamilton, he's putting so much of the context into the songs. And that's hard to 
pass, I think, a lot of the times. But I think a lot of the other side of the thing is when you said about there's the musicals where it's almost, it is an opera where people very sparsely say one sentence normally, which is one of these ones, which is Hamilton, which is Les Mis, which is Cats. And I think people do tend to have a harder problem with those ones, harder challenge with those ones, whereas like Greece, where it's half spoken, half reproduction, Greece too, obviously, then I think people tend to have a better time with those kind of, those, a lot more people have a better time with those kind of... Some people. Yeah. <laughs> Some people have a better time with those kind of musicals versus other types of musicals. So I think this, I can understand why this is definitely a, a tougher ask than the other ones. I was down with the vibe. I, I enjoyed the vibe. I Like I said, I'm a Lin-Manuel Miranda stan, so I like seeing Christopher Jackson, I like seeing Lin-Manuel, I like seeing John Lawrence, Anthony Ramos, who was also in Dumb Money, for example. So I like seeing all these people crop up in, in these in these places. I enjoyed seeing Jimmy Smith. Yeah, because of LA Law. Exactly. So Jimmy Smith's got Stephanie Beatrice. you got... Melissa, Camera Scream Queen, Ek... Well, not anymore, but... Yeah. Melissa, yeah. Melissa Barrera. Melissa Barrera. Yes. Yeah. And she played Daria in Orange is the New Black. So I like seeing people from other places in, in here, which was really good. Like Stephanie Beatrice, she's now, she played Maribel in... Encanto. In Encanto. And I, I didn't know she could sing because I'd just seen her in... What's that film? What's that TV show called? Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Do you like Helen? Yeah, that's the one. Rosa yeah. Diaz, yeah. Yeah, playing Rosa Diaz. And she plays such a... You think, now she's not going to be able to sing at all in any way, shape or form. And Corey Hawkins as well, who played Ice-T in at Straight Outta Compton. So I think the stack, the cast was, was really good here. And I was, I was really surprised at how well Corey could sing. I didn't expect him to be able to sing just because he played Ice Cube, sorry, not Ice-T. But I can I can totally understand why Helen and Genevieve didn't vibe it because it is it's probably a bit of a tall order, generally. So the recommendability will be low as a result because I think people will struggle with it. But do you think that's just because of the musical or because this is a sung through musical, so it it can seem quite dense musically in that way. I think it's because it's, it's a sung through musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda where there's no hooky, there's no hooky songs to it. And also musicals generally, the storyline is slight. And this one, I can kind of get Helen's point is it's a slight story. And if you, one of my main challenges with this was, oh, I, I know what's going to happen with that lottery ticket. That's fine. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, it's going to appear right when they need it the most, which will be, probably later than it should have appeared and to give like help people out kind of thing but everything's going to be fine don't worry about it and just kind of enjoy the vibe of the of the song you guys are going to get naturalized or nationalized and she's going to go back to university but it might be a different way to the, it's all going to be fine don't worry about it guys <laughs> my <laughs> but, big thing was that she started the film with straight hair and then she went to the hairdresser and then had curly hair for the rest of the film what happened did she have enough time to have a perm what well i don't get it <laughs> Or was her curly hair meant to be this yeah. metaphor for like, she's normally has curly hair, but in Stanford, she has straight hair. But then when she comes home, she can let it all out. I, I mean, you know, I think that's probably it. Yep, I think that's, that's probably, probably it. Like conforming to hiding her true, true hair and yeah. um, origin. Her true hair. Yeah. And her true self. But yeah, that was my kind of screed. I, I enjoyed it, but I, I can see why it's definitely a tough, a tough ask to, for people. I see, I don't think it is a tough ask in that there are so many other films, right, where we do suspend our disbelief for people flying into space or like jumping from one planet and miraculously like not killing all the civilians on that planet. You know, there are so many ways that we are okay with suspending our disbelief, but there's something about the singing and dancing that makes it harder. And I do get that. But I, what I really love about this film as well is the story. And it was kind of a, a long time coming because Lin-Manuel Miranda 
he came up with this concept while he was at university and then it was kind of brewing away for a long time. And then he got a band of people together and, and workshopped it. And, and the person who actually helped him formulate the story and write it is Chiara Alegria Udes, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright and novelist. And I think it really, what I like about this film is it is trying, I think my take on it is it's trying to be as big and bold and mainstream as it can. You know, you've got John and Chu, who's directing it. He was sort of fresh off Crazy Rich Asians. And now, you know, he's the one who's going to be bringing the two parts of Wicked, the musical, to the screen. Upcoming. I'm not so keen on that. You're not so keen on that? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, Wicked in general or just two parts? Well, both. I like, I love Defying Gravity as a song, but the rest of it I'm yeah, not... Yeah, that's so... going to end the first film, clearly, because that's the end of Act One yeah. in the musical, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, but again, I think with Wicked, like I've seen Wicked lots of times on stage, and I did see In the Heights as well when it was in the West End in London. So kind of long before the film thing was going to happen. And it is one of those stories that's been through lots of iterations. It was with different film companies and then kind of timed out at one because they couldn't quite get it as they wanted to. And then it was with the Weinstein company for a while as well. And then that fell through when everything happened with Harvey Weinstein and the rights reverted back to Lin-Manuel and his co-writer Chiara on this as well. And, you know, and then it's kind of, was made into this big, bold, lush Warner Brothers thing that got stymied by the pandemic and hasn't been without some complications since it came out as well in terms of there was a backlash against the light-skinned representation within that Latinx community on screen. And one of the things actually that got changed from the stage version to the film version was that there was a, a tension between... So one of the romantic couples in it, Benny and Nina, in the stage version, Nina's dad, who's played by the great Jimmy Smits, as we were talking about here. So good in the West Wing as well. There was, he didn't approve. Bella Organa as well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. so good. The character on the stage show didn't approve of Nina, who's Latina, going out with Benny, who's black. And that racial tension was taken out of the film version. But instead they used a, they kind of put their politicised, if you like, eggs into the basket of documentation and the character of Sonny, who's this 16-year-old who works in the bodega, the wine shop, like a corner shop here in the UK, he has a battle because he hasn't got legal documents and papers to be in the country. So they they use that as the sort of vehicle that they want to get behind in this film. But I love it when a glossy mainstream film is actually saying quite a lot and presenting it not in a shiny bow necessarily, but you kind of, you want to capture, I'm not making my point very well, but what I want to basically say is that I think there are some really important stories that need to be told, but if you're just saying it in an echo chamber, are you making that much of a difference? Whereas if you try and make something as mainstream as possible and try and make it appeal to as wide an audience as possible, but still put through some of those culturally important and politically important moments, does that have more impact? I think for me that like, I thought it was trying to, tell too many of those stories and didn't really manage to explore them or tell them in a way that was impactful and I think that's just because it, it basically was like all these things are wrong we're going to say this is wrong this is wrong and this is wrong and there's just too much going on with all the songs and everything and that because the songs are quite hard to digest in the form that they are and because there's so much going on because there's so much colour and dancing and the tone is quite lively and jovial, some of that impact of how powerful those stories are 
kind of got a bit lost on me and I wasn't quite sure what I was meant to feel at the end of it because it kind of wrapped it up and said like what if you win a lottery it's kind of cool and it's great and it's like but like is it really I don't know I kind of got what it was trying to say but I didn't think it said what it was trying to say in the best way I'm 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 happy with you know people running up the side of walls in musicals and flying off into space like that's like (laughs) I, I love that and I love the freedom that using music and song to take you to those places that have outside of dramas. But I I just felt the story just, it just didn't have the impact that I was maybe expecting from it. That was my favourite bit from the musical was, was the, when the sun goes down bit that I thought that whole sequence of. Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> I'd love a musical about the Arctic Monkeys. Please, oh, someone write no. one, please. The whole sequence with Benny and Nina when they're on the side of the building and they're like, I thought that was so different, inventive and done really well from you know, for, for a musical and made me think like, oh, you know, I'm wondering how they're filming this. Is this like kind of, are they taking a leaf out of Inception's book and they've got some giant rotating thing that they're filming it in? You know, it kind of made me think, oh, you know, camera, this is like 90 degrees, I think. really clever. Maybe they, they had the budget to do Inception stuff. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that was the bit that I enjoyed that I thought, you know, was great. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, it's it, it visually spectacular to look at in terms of all the colours and everything throughout but it just didn't grab me in the way that I hoped I think it's it's interesting that we've talked about uh, for a musical we've talked about when things happen rather than the song which is interesting because even with Cats there's like uh, Cats we've had Les Mis on here and we talked about the song specifically rather than like the bit when something happened and I think that just kind of speaks to the there is maybe that block to say, I know what the name of the song is. I know the hook of it. I know what's what's kind of going on. Like I can play alongside with that. But is that just because those musicals are very much more well-established and there's those songs are a lot more in the public consciousness than these songs are? This this musical is new. You know, it came out sort of back, sort of, you know, it was affected by the pandemic. So not as many people went to see it in cinemas. That's suffered box office because of that. It's Maybe it's just not as ingrained in public consciousness yet i defer to the greatest show where you know if i watched i didn't see it at the cinema because everyone said it was pants when it first came out but then i saw it in retrospect and within like two minutes i was like whoa <laughs> and so there isn't a thing like that in this and when it switched off there wasn't i don't want to be that person who's like but no you're all wrong how dare you <laughs> but i do th- <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing that there isn't. I yeah. just think I can understand why people haven't like yeah. taken it to heart with like left the cinema, like dancing along to a, this is me or even if they just know the refrain from mm. it. I think there's not many easy refrains apart from for me, like the Paragua one was the one that was the, the refrain that came back. <laughs> I've mentioned too many times here. It's fine. I think what is interesting with this one is that, so obviously there were trailers, but one of the big things that they did when this film came out is they actually released as a trailer that entire opening song of In the Heights, which is, what, like eight minutes long, longer, possibly. Mm. And, you know, you get to meet all the characters in that. And what I love so much about that opening song, which for me, I think is where my heart really kind of goes for this film, is, is because it's the energy of the singing and dancing and the people who are telling this story. And what I love about a musical, and I think it's quite difficult to do in a film musical, is the imperfections are almost what makes it for me because that's what you love when you go see a stage show sometimes is brilliant, but often 
it's not necessarily all the the dancing might not be exactly in sync because people are just feeling it in that moment. And that's quite hard to get on film sometimes because you can just do it again and again until it appears to be in sync and perfect. But there's quite a lot in this film where I'm not saying it's rough around the edges at all, but they just lean into that energy and, you know, they let sort of people just go with whatever dance they were doing and sort of famously they'd film these dance scenes, which they were all filming within this community where the film is set in the Heights, in Washington Heights. And they just keep dancing once they said stop and cut and they just keep going. And I really felt that quite palpably when I watch it. And I think it's why, you know, my other favourite kind of imperfection in a musical is if you go back and watch in The Sound of Music, when they do Do Re Mi and they do the famous bit going up and down the stairs, Louisa, the actress who's playing Louisa, messes it up <laughs> and she goes on the wrong step. And But they leave it in and that's great. That's kind of why I fell in love with some of these things. Is there anything else you want to say before we head to the scores? Just that I'm right and you're wrong. I think. <laughs> uh, does, Jimmy Smith, does Jimmy Smith sing in this? Yeah, he does. He does. And he does. A couple of lines. It. Yeah. He does. And I think we probably just haven't mentioned Abuela Claudia, who's in this. And she has an amazing song in this about her character coming to New York for the first time and having, you know, her mum having to work as a maid. And it's just so brilliantly played. Was it Patience Faye? Yeah. Patience Faye. Yeah. Yeah, I am a white British person, so obviously I'm not doing this justice at all, but I love this film and this story. And and I kind of, I think often what happens is that there's so much pressure on a story like this to get every tiny thing right, but you just hope they got enough right for more films like this to be made. Okay, let's go to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Natalie, with your recommendability. Obviously, it's a five. <laughs> but, but I don't say that lightly or facetiously. I think I, I would recommend it because I think that going back to what we started off by saying that I don't want people to be closed minded about even giving it a chance, like, I do appreciate that it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Film is subjective anyway. But yeah, absolutely, I'd recommend it. And I hope that it kind of opens more people to stories like this and songs like this than not. Genevieve? I'm going to give it a 2.5 because I don't know who I would recommend it to. Um, Everyone? If you're a diehard musicals fan, then you'd probably already seen it if you're a diehard musicals fan. So I don't know who I would recommend it to, to say, you know, oh yeah, if you haven't seen it, watch it. You know, my, my parents frequently come to me and say, oh, you know, what what's good? What should we watch? I, I wouldn't say to them, watch this film. They probably watch it with subtitles to try and, and get I watch what's, it with subtitles. What's, what's going on. So you can sing along, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Karaoke. No, I'll just watch everything with subtitles. <laughs> 
but yeah i i don't know who i would recommend it to if you were kind of like that way inclined and you're a big lin-manuel miranda fan yes but again you probably already have watched it so if you hadn't already seen it i don't know who i would recommend it to. i don't know if i if i could recommend it to someone to watch it try it just try it <laughs> ellen yeah it's such a tricky one i don't think it is helen uh, I'm just going to stop there. I don't it think is, it is a tricky is. one. <laughs> it is like... Lin-Manuel, have you made it onto our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny how he got the most catchiest song in the film. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I recently saw Cabaret, the, the most recent iteration. and With uh, Amy Lee Woods? No, this is Self-Esteem yeah, and I saw that Jake too. Shears. And oh, it is the best thing I've ever seen on stage in my entire life. And I booked to see... Next. You've not seen Hamilton, have you? No. And I booked okay. to see it again next year. And everyone I've said, you have to see it. It's it's just incredible. Have you seen Groundhog Day the Musical Live? I have. Should I? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh God, that, there's a there's a song in that in the Groundhog Day musical that just destroys me. What, laughter or sadness? No, sadness. The the one seeing you for the first time, that one. I've got a few that destroy me with laughter. But <laughs> Helen, carry on. And I don't know. I just don't know whether we're going to be talking about In the Heights in the same way as, as some of these musicals in 20, 30 years. And I think for me, it was just, songs just didn't really grab me. And I think that is what needs to be in a musical. Like, I'm full on, like, Moulin Rouge is one of my favourites. And the songs in that are just, everyone Yeah, but that's, they're Great. all songs from the past. Children of a Revolution, that's been around since the 70s. That's unfair. <laughs> they like songs that you can sing and you can can have that instant connection with and even if you haven't seen West Side Story like you know the songs from it it's th- I think the music has to be like the real real driver for me in a musical and I think you've already said the same like if you're a Lin-Manuel Miranda fan you've probably seen this and you know what you're getting into but yeah I didn't I think the length as well as it being a musical would be a bit off-putting for some people so I'm going to give it a three I'm going to give it a 3.2 because I think it's going to be a hard ask for people. Even though I enjoyed it, definitely recognise that it's, I think it's more of a vibe piece than a one that you listen to time and time again. And I've tried to listen to the In the Heights when I first heard about it on, just on Spotify and I just couldn't really get into it. And, but when, but when it came together, I, I thought, okay, this is one where I need to see the action and the music at the same time. Whereas like conversely, like Les Mis, that year was on my Spotify raps, maybe like two years in a row. The Lemon soundtrack was on my Spotify raps. I just listened to it all the time. Was it for one but day more? Got... <laughs> <laughs> it was for the uh, it's for the first song actually, two four six and one. Oh, was it? No, oh. I don't know why. One I don't know why that one. More. It makes me laugh. But when we rewatched it for this podcast, I was like, oh no, I don't know what I've been doing in my life because actually, it, it was I think the music and the experience was actually worse and it actually got a worse score than the cats did which is surprising but i still like the, i still like the song so i agree with helen the songs need to be there and on point and lin manuel can do it he can do it he does it with moana did it with encanto and he's done it with uh, hamilton and i think what he does with hamilton actually is interesting because just you hear the same refrain time and time again in the same musical and even though even though the, the words are different you still have that kind of swell in you that you like okay i know what this is yeah even if it's like 1776 1777 you know it comes back time and time again but there's nothing that pulls you back in apart from again that piragua song and there's a passion 
there are definitely themes that are woven through various songs in In the Heights as well. I would say in, sorry, what's that, Lynn? Yeah, Lynn says in his defence, I would say that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but I, I, I appreciate, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 3.2, it's a very much of a vibe piece, which I really enjoyed. But I agree with Genevieve and Helen that the, I think the songs are different type of musical song. Pete Buen score, Natalie. Is, is it like wrong if you just like try and skew the scoring? Just asking. <laughs> it's happened before. Okay, it's happened before fine. positively and negatively. Yeah, sure. okay. uh, well, I'm, I'm going to say five because, you know, I've, I've got to speak for myself and, you know, I'm trying to... Of course you're going to be speaking yeah, for yourself. Exactly. But we, we represent the, the globe here. There's four people. We represent two billion people each. I've seen In the Heights five times now, I think. Oh, wow. And... I would, yeah, I'd watch it again in a heartbeat because I think it is like, you know, for me, it is one of those films that does get better when I watch it because I notice different things. I lock into different parts of the music a bit more. I see different people in a dance scene that I hadn't noticed before. So I really enjoy that. And, you know, it's a bit like the, you know, the Mission Impossible films. I love them so much because you kind of know what the next big set piece is coming up. And I have a similar feeling to In the Heights. I'm I'm excited for the next set piece of the big song and dance number that I want to see next. So yeah, a five. Genevieve. Would I watch it again? No, I wouldn't. I, but then <laughs> I, I also don't feel like I wasted two hours and 40 minutes of my life, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would watch it again. Even if it was like on TV and there was nothing else to watch, I probably would. Just go to bed. Yeah. I I would <laughs> read the news or something. I I wouldn't. I I wouldn't watch it again. Well, you might go. Oh, hang on a minute. Uh, interesting. <laughs> I've told a parent. I'm I'm told this was so. I, like I asked my mum because I, I promise I'll have a point to this. My brother, when she gave birth to my brother, it was like quite a traumatic delivery, and he's four years older than me. And I was like, why did you have another one? Why did you have me if it was so bad the first time round? And he cried all the time. My mum said, oh, because you forget. You forget the pain, so you just do it again. So I'm not sure if I would like watch In the Heights again because I forgot about how I didn't like it the first time. But I would then just experience it again just because I forgot. I don't know. I don't think I'd do that. So what was your score, sorry? 2.5. That's still high for never watching again. Helen? Yeah, that was more generous than I thought you were going to go for. Whereas I'm like thinking, oh no, do I need to go up from my score? If you're questioning yourself, Helen, you know, just go with your gut. I think so my score I'll say that if it was personally for me because I would not watch it again it would be a one but I can appreciate how other people would enjoy watching it again hence why I give it a 2.5 I'm going to give it a two I'm going to give it a three I don't think I'll watch it that much I think 2.5 hours is a stretch for the same reason I haven't watched Les Mis more than twice because I think it is a bit of a stretch and I get everything I wanted from the soundtrack which I can listen to you can dip in and out of yeah I think it's a, it's a three. I will watch again. I don't watch it with my wife, and she likes Lin Manuel as much as I do. So I'll probably recommend. I'll probably chat with her and maybe watch it over Christmas break, kind of thing. But I don't think it'll be an instant go to each time. Uh, small screen score, Natalie. <laughs> Five. <laughs> I think the small screen score is, is a bit tricky for this one because it depends how small a screen. I think a lot of people, right, have massive tellies now in their house, in which case you're fine. Yeah, we just we just talk about non-cinema. Yeah. We should call it home screen score. It's, it kind of throws people, really. Yeah. Uh, but yes. 
I think it's fine for a home screen school, I got home screen viewing. I can appreciate how on a mobile it'll be quite challenging because some of the dance numbers, there are literally hundreds of people doing formations and there are kind of bird's eye view aerial shots that would be quite difficult to pick up, I think. on a, a, In the water, out of the water, yeah. flipping onto benches. Exactly, on a tiny screen. So small screen, I'm going to go four. I thought I put, I put preeminently put five oh, in there for you. Well, okay, four. Five? Because it's a mobile, right? That's so like, I don't know, 2022. I agree with that. I would say four. I think because it is so colourful and visually spectacular, I think you would gain something by looking at it on a big screen. But if you only watch it on a small screen, I think that's fine too. I think you'd probably appreciate it more on a big screen. But on a small screen, it's fine. So yeah, I give it a four. Helen? Yeah, so I I saw Spielberg's West Side Story on the big screen and like absolutely loved it, but like absolutely nowhere I'm going to sit at home and watch it. I just don't feel that I'm doing it justice. And I think definitely me watching it on my TV lessened a little bit of the the kind of... Engagement. Sound and vibes and music and everything. So I think... Ideally, you know, if you could have seen it on the big screen first time round and then you repeat viewings at home is probably the ideal. So uh, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Can I uh, redo my score to a five? (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, just listening to you there, Helen, I was just thinking that actually because it is a sung through musical more or less, that small screens, yeah, it's fine, but actually it doesn't matter because you can still hear the music. So it's almost like you're just listening and watching the soundtrack. (laughs) <laughs> Defensive scoring at its peak here. <laughs> well, I'm going uh, to go for a four. I think it would be nice to definitely watch it in the cinema for the first time. But I had, yeah, I had a good time with it at home. I think half iPad, half TV. Engagement score, Natalie. Ooh, it's a tough one. I think I'm going to go with a five. <laughs> I, I, I should say, like, I've watched a ton of films and I'm not just a musicals nerd, but... I can appreciate it. it is a bit long, but I will defer to my kids on this. So my son is 10, daughter's, as aforementioned, 15, and they love it, you know, in terms of some of the shows and the need to watch like big shiny things that move really quickly. They're engaged from the start to the end of this film. So maybe it's the wrong generation. Maybe for the kids out there, it's it's great. So yeah, five. I'm drawn to think about like longer musicals and one that I find actually kind of a tough watch every now and again but even though it's tough to put it on but when I press play I, I love it is Mary Poppins yeah I forget how long Mary Poppins is so, and Sound of I'm Music like, is oh, like still... hours long and Chitty Chitty literally... Bang Bang that's like mm-hmm. almost three hours long I've never I've never watched Sound of Music I don't think I ever will what <laughs> <laughs> I mean you've got to watch it at least once I sense yeah, another like... episode coming up <laughs> As much as I like musicals, I think that kind of running time does kind of make you think, oh, is there other things I could do be doing in my life right now? But do you think we have those same conversations like around Scorsese? Absolutely. I, I mean, we had the Irishman on here and I was like, I watched it in the cinema. I was like, great. Am I going to watch that again at home on my own volition? Probably not, unless I've got a specific ask. And that, you know, that was this podcast that brought me back to watching it again. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. We'll see. I'd watch again. I watched that the other day. Time flew by. So, yeah, Genevieve, sorry. Engagement score. Well, given that I fell asleep watching it, 
never a good sign for a high engagement. It's going to be low. It was difficult. Yeah, I just kind of like, I didn't really get into it as much as I thought I was going to. I didn't feel like I cared as much about the characters. And I feel like, I mean, I, I pride myself in that. I have only ever switched off a film once. I, I usually like to give it the benefit of the doubt and watch it all the way through to the end so I can make a rounded opinion. I think this begs the question, We've, we've got to know what. Epic movie. Just Oh, right. Oh, yeah, okay. I've heard nothing Terrib- but nonsense about that. Terrible. Yeah. It was like, it was, and I, thankfully I invented it. Is that, was, is that and, what was shown from Grange Hill? No, that was Meet the Spartans. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's who. <laughs> Sean <laughs> Maguire. <laughs> Epic movie was, Anna Faris was in that and it kind of like was digs it the line, the witch in the yeah. wardrobe and Lord of the Rings and those kind of things. And it was rented on DVD and it just got to the point where like 45 minutes in, you're like, actually, this is shit. This why, let's just stop watching it. <laughs> I felt the same way about Blair Witch Project, but I stuck it through it till the end so that I could have an opinion. And yeah, so I like to watch a film all the way through to the end. So if I had a choice and, you know, would I turn it off? No, I would still stick through it to the end, but I would have, you know, would still come away with like feeling a bit meh. So engagement scores two. Helen. Yeah. So I sat down to watch it and didn't quite clock the time. So I kind of watched it in two bits and it was quite a few days apart, which I didn't rush to go back. I just don't know. Like, because you can really see that it's, a real passion project and it's you know there's so much care and attention to go into it and so much like energy and the dancing and everything but it just didn't grab me so I'm gonna give it a three sorry Natalie it's okay I'm fine I'm going for a 3.88 here I think it was at least for the first watch I just enjoyed the vibe like I said I enjoyed the singing dance numbers I enjoyed seeing if my suspicions with lost tickets were going to come true which they did you know Chekhov's lottery ticket, what's going to happen with the partnerships and, and, you know, are they going to get together? Yeah. But then subsequent engagement scores, I don't think will be that high. So 3.88, that gives us an overall score of 3.52. which is higher than I thought it was going to be based on the initial opinions that were were touted. But, Probably uh, something to do with Natalie's fives. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, you know, I think if you're passionate about something, you just have to try and share that, right, Jen? <laughs> So, Natalie, Genevieve, can you tell us where we can find you guys online and say goodbye to the listeners? I'll go first. You can find me at Celebrity Catch-Up Life after that thing I did, available wherever you stream your podcasts, apart from YouTube, because I don't believe that's a podcast platform. CelebrityCatchup.com or just search for Celebrity Catch-Up on the social media platforms and you'll find me. Come and have a listen to the pod if you like 80s, 90s and noughties nostalgia. I've got some great people that you can spend an hour with, find out how their lives unfolded after their thing that they did that made them famous like Nick Frost, Dexter Fletcher, Alan Rock, Rose McGowan, Judd Nelson. Nice. Omri Katz was the latest one that I've just done from Erie, Indiana and Hocus Pocus and I'm pretty sure he was smoking weed through the entire interview but yeah. Nice. <laughs> Erie, Indiana, that's a, that's a phrase I've not heard for a while. There's all uh, strange 80s themed TV shows are always based in Indiana aren't they? Stranger Things and this. There's another one I can't think of that's off the uh, off the top of my head. 
but yes. Twin Peaks was in Washington State, wasn't it? I can't remember. Could be Missouri. Could have been Arkansas. Keep Googling. Could have been Nebraska. And that's the who are you? I am Natalie Jameson. You can hear me regularly on the Best Sellers podcast, which I do with my friend Phil Williams, where we talk about books that we've loved reading and we speak to the authors that have written those books. Is that even a sentence? But generally, most episodes... The authors. (laughs) Most episodes, who knows what you're going to get. (laughs) Because we'll probably go off on a tangent, usually me, which is what has happened here. Apologies. So yeah, it's it's just hopefully generally nice, inclusive conversations about pop culture and reading and films and TV and life. So bestsellers, we're into season five now. And we've had authors like Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson and Joanne Harris and... Hold on. Yeah. A, a League of Gentlemen. Yeah. They wrote a fiction book together. It was, it was great. Awesome. Guys, it's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. So bestsellers... Best Sellers Podcast, exactly. I'm on Instagram, Natalie Jameson, all one word, and on Twitter at Nat underscore Jameson. And I'm pretty sure I'll be asked back here to do Tick, Tick, Boom, because I don't think you've done that yet. (laughs) We've done Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. You loved it, right? (laughs) I liked it. I don't think Helen didn't like it so much. That did have some hooky songs. Yeah. And it was weird, weird, but great seeing Andrew Garfield. So good. Again, here's someone I didn't think could, could do it. But yeah, these guys have all been to stage school, so I don't know why I keep them being surprised at this shit. <laughs> <laughs> guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for coming Bye. in. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.